Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. everyone, I'm Simon of Sterling Coaching and welcome listeners to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Jennifer McKinley. Uh, Jennifer is based in New Zealand, which as I see her on the screen here, she's got bright uh, morning day daylight and I'm in the pits of darkness here in the UK in the, in the evening. Uh, good to have you on the podcast, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Simon. I'm so happy to be here. Tell the listeners a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about the story uh, that you were sharing with me just a little earlier. Sure. Um, So I am a profit first professional coach as well as a fix this next advisor, um, which as a New Zealander, it's quite hard to say that quickly, fix this Mm -hmm. next. So, um, and uh, I came to this world um, from actually implementing Profit First in my own company, which is a skincare company, um, a high-end skincare company called Core Silver. And um, it's sold in places like Harrods and Harvey Nichols and so forth all around the world. And I had been growing the company very quickly and very successfully. And as the company kept growing and growing and growing, um, I just at the end of every month, just never had enough money left over to pay myself what I knew that I was actually worth. And uh, so I was starting to really fall out of love with the business actually. And then through the I Love podcast and through the podcast rabbit hole, I discovered Profit First and um, immediately read the book and it just made perfect sense to me. Mm. And uh, and so I implemented it and really changed the the just change how I feel about the company and change how I went about running the company and, and specifically the company finances. And so yeah. it was such a game changer for me that I decided to, uh, you know, take this to other small business owners and became a profit first professional coach. Yeah. Um, and then when the Fix This Next book came out, I, I became certified in that because yeah. that really framework both. really appeals. Yeah. So yeah. that really appeals to my big, yeah consulting background that I did um, yeah. at places like BCG. Yeah, and, I, and I'm interested in that. I mean, you know, that's how we met through Fix This Next and, you know, me, you know, advertising. In fact, I was looking for guests, you know, on social media and in the Fix This Next group. I'm intrigued as to the shift between the the big game consulting that, you know, um, I know you mentioned before the recording started and then into a skincare company, high-end skincare company. Why the shift? I'm intrigued, and I'm sure the listeners are, you know, such a, a, a contrast. You know, why why make that move? Yeah, um, so I think it, it came a little bit from my family background. My parents were very entrepreneurial and started a, a company here in New Zealand back in the mid '60s. Um, okay. My, uh, you know, my brother, my brother-in-law, my sister, all of them are quite entrepreneurial. And so I was a little bit of a, you know, the different one in the family who went the big corporate route. And, um, um, you know, and I I was doing quite nicely in my career there. But I felt like, um, you know, I'm a real doer. 
And yeah. so I felt like at the end of the day, the days would go by and all I would have done is sat in meetings, basically giving my opinions. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, the more that you go up the corporate ladder, the less you actually do. And uh, so I knew I wanted to start my own company at some point. And um, it's quite a long, convoluted story, which I won't get into, yeah. into of how I got into skincare. But part of it was personal need as yeah. a, um, an aging woman, let's say. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. my, my wife, um, and she won't mind me saying this, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, she went through the menopause at 23. Uh, so I'm very aware of skincare products because, you know, when you go through that kind of issue at that kind of age, you know, the skin loses all its elasticity and you've got to look after it, haven't you? You know, we have to look after not just, you know, our minds and the insides of our bodies. We need to look at the thing that holds it all together, the skin, don't we? Yeah. That's right. And that's what I love so much about the company because it's a treatment line. And so yeah. it's really, really fantastic for people with serious skin problems. And so the customer testimonials I get are incredible. And right. so that actually was, you know, part of the, the dilemma when I wasn't actually making any money out of the business, but yeah. everyone in the ecosystem was, I just didn't want to abandon those customers yeah. who were so relying on the products. And so I needed to, you know, either think about do I just give up and go back to corporate America or do I try and fix this? Yeah. And so I did. Yeah. So Good. I'm very happy to to have done that. Yeah. Great. And what a great story. I'm sure the listeners will connect to that. And many of them on the podcast now are probably in the same situation where they're feeling that entrepreneurial calling, really. And it is a calling. You know, I I was in a paid position myself in construction and you know, I didn't become a coach straight away, but I, I wanted to run my own construction business. And I just knew that I was earning everybody else a lot of money. And like you, you know, didn't feel necessarily valued. You know, I was very good at my job, but I just felt I could get more benefit from doing it for myself than I could for other people. So, uh, yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, that's right. So let's, let's get on to the, 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 the initial topic of coffee then. What, what coffee are you drinking today and, and, and why that particular coffee? Yeah, so I'm drinking, I don't know if you can, yeah, I, I can't tip it up, but um, I'm drinking a trim flat white. So okay. that is my coffee of choice. And um, we live, at, we actually live kind of in the bush in um, a small seaside village in New Zealand. Yeah. And uh, so we have one of the most amazing, like, I love these beans. I love coffee all around the world. But we are very, very lucky to have an incredible roaster here right in our little town of Mangafai. Wow. And um, so, yeah, so I've got my uh, shout out to Breville. I've got my Breville <laughs> espresso machine. Open to yeah. sponsorship at any time by Breville. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so I, um, I learned how to make my, you know, become my own barista. So, oh. yeah, so it was interesting one day during lockdown, um, I would, you know, we ran out of beans. I forgot to place the order. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh, no, we're going to have a weekend without coffee. And uh, so I placed the order. And then about an hour later, I got an email from them saying, oh, we were just out, actually, and uh, getting some groceries for ourselves. And so we put the coffee beans in the in the letterbox. So go have at it. So right. very, very nice service. So, yeah. so where where is a particular location the beans come from? Do they, do, you know, how, how does the, the roastery source their beans and where do they come from 
You know, that's a really good question. Um, so they are mostly Indonesian beans, actually. Ah, um, so, you know, because that's the first for this podcast. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, really? Yeah. 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 So, um, so they do mostly Indonesian. They're very much into, you know, uh, fair trade and so forth. Um, yeah. And uh, and they just, I, I just absolutely love their beans. They're called Rush. <clears throat> excuse me in case anyone in New Zealand's listening and yeah. um, the one that we like the best is called adrenaline rush so adrenaline rush. great <laughs> yeah what a name for a coffee yeah and it's it's interesting uh you mentioned the you know the Indonesian beans because I think you know people are very particular about the way that they drink their coffee but certainly certain parts of the world bring out different favors and different strengths don't they and it's it's getting that one that suits you and suits your flavor as well particularly isn't it in your palate yes yes um, exactly yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting uh, yeah my palate has changed because of what many people have talked about in this and uh, i'm sure the listeners will have perhaps experimented with different coffees as well but the coffee i'm drinking today is a colombian coffee uh, and it's it's, it's as always usually for me it's a starbucks coffee a starbucks pod of some sort but um, i've actually started doing i think it was candace one of the um, the first ladies on a podcast some time ago and i now mix uh, cocoa powder with cinnamon and sprinkle oh. that on the top so it's, it's black i don't have it with milk but just that bit of froth you get on top of the coffee I just sprinkle the, the cocoa and the cinnamon on top and it just gives it a, a lovely taste as you're drinking through the, the froth of the coffee. So, uh, yeah, that's what, that's, what I've, that's what I've got in my sort of flask, flask here as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned your coffee's flat white. Uh, is there any other particular flavour or particular favourite way you like to have your coffee? No, I, I think I'm a little bit of a traditionalist. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, it was funny. I was um, working in India. Uh, this is quite some time ago when I was a, a consultant at the Boston Consulting Group. And so I had been living and working in India for about um, five months at this point. And back then, the coffee was sort of a mix of, you know, coffee beans with chicory. Yeah. And um, so, I, I, you know, it, it certainly wasn't my favourite, but I, I would have it every day because I, I do love my coffee. Um, yeah. But one of the partner's wives was heading back to the United States. And um, so she, you know, was saying, uh, you know, is there anything that you want me to bring back? And so I was like, oh, please bring back just like normal coffee beans, like just full <laughs> coffee beans. Yeah. And so she's like, no problem. And um, and then the first day I was in the office when she got back, I sort of opened the door. I could smell coffee. Wow. And then it was just like, oh, I could yeah. smell the hazelnut. So she brought... Oh flavoured coffee beans back and I was just like oh wow. I, I wasn't specific enough so yeah. no I just like the straight coffee none straight of these coffee. flavorings yeah, yeah. No, that's fine that's fine so thinking about um your either current business or businesses in the past what would you say has been the the latest or most significant thing that you've fixed or e evolved in your business? And I know you said in the coaching side of things, you're moving perhaps from one-to-one -one into groups. Is there anything that you'd like to share that's been quite a significant shift for you? 
Yeah, um, so using the Fix This Next uh, framework, so the thing that really hit home for me with my business and one thing that I include in my um, both my one-on-one and my group coaching programs is the idea of lifestyle congruence. And uh, yeah. so really figuring out and reverse engineering what size does the business need to be to support the lifestyle that you aspire to? Mm. And, um, and I love this exercise with clients because it was so interesting for me where, um, you know, I was growing, 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 growing um, just so quickly and bootstrapping. And so I thought that was, you know, what I had to do. That's what, you know, the media tells us. That's what business school tells us that's what you know society tells us that to be successful you have to you know be big and you have to grow as fast as possible and when I actually sort of sat back and and really thought about this lifestyle congruence um you know thinking through starting with a visualization on well what do I what do I want my life to look like and therefore then putting you know numbers to that okay well that's going to cost me this and this and this, and then I've got this goal. And so actually coming up with an annual sort of budget figure, if you like, for, um, you know, what my life wants to look like, and then reverse engineering that using the profit first um, percentages, allocation percentages for owner's pay to say, okay, well, for me to have this lifestyle, my business needs to be, I need to be drawing this amount of money out of my business. And therefore, I need the size of the company to be X. And what was really fascinating for me, Simon, was that number was smaller. So the revenue size for the business was actually smaller than where it currently was. Yeah. So I actually contracted the business to get, you know, stabilization and the profitability before I then started, you know, sort of growing in a different way. Yeah. So it was really interesting. Yeah. And it's intriguing as you say that, you know, one of my um, original businesses was construction and I had a, a, my best friend in the world who sadly passed away some time ago and he had quite a large construction company and he he could never quite get to grips with the amount of profit that I used to make. So as a construction company here in the UK, you expect to make 5% net really profit. I was making 48% net profit and, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got nice cars. I, you know, I learned to fly a helicopter, bought one, you know, lived the dream. Uh, And I used to do it with a business, which was probably less than a third of the size of Roland's. Yeah, uh, and you're right. You know, a lot of people, and particularly in the construction industry, and if people are listening here in the construction industry, we we chase the revenue, we chase the turnover all the time, and we we don't chase the profit. And to me, yeah, you know, the first thing I did because you know my background is is a quantity surveyor, so I love costs. I'm not an accountant, but I love counting money. So profit is everything. Yeah, you know, cash is king. You know. Uh, yeah profit your sanity and all that kind of thing but yeah absolutely you know we, we've got to know what that is and I, I want to ask a question just to dig a little bit deeper into that because I think the listeners when they they hear that 
phrase lifestyle congruence and i know people who perhaps might take the the online assessments that we have and that mike has do you find it easy to to realize what that lifestyle congruence needs to look like or is that something you need to work on a little bit because that's the bit that i find people struggle with you know visualizing it and get it getting a handle on what actually it is that they do want because that's that's the bit that they haven't got a clarity on isn't it it is and you know what's really interesting on that um so i as we're doing this module and the the you know the work that i do um i have them do a two-year visualization and i call that sort of the comfort lifestyle so that's assuming they've been doing profit first for a couple of years they're drawing out, you know, a nice owner's pay. Um, so that's their sort of their comfort lifestyle. Um, nothing too fancy, just, you know, um, but no stress. Yeah. And then I have them do a seven-year visualisation on what I call the hell year lifestyle. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is my life. I can't believe it. And people have a, they have a you know, a fun time doing the two-year one. They cannot do the seven-year one. No. It's really interesting. They have such a hard time thinking that far in advance and, you know, taking off all of those limiting beliefs and yeah. really thinking through, well, what is possible? So I have to really, really, um, you know, sort of guide them very, very gently through that exercise. Yeah. And I think that's important for listeners to take away from this podcast in particular is that it's not something that, should be rushed it's not something that should be hammered home it is about um as you say easing it out you know being gentle and you know it's so important isn't it to get that clarity and that focus on where you want to be in seven years time and yeah i remember first coach i ever worked with i think got me to sit down i was 23 when i started my first business and he got me to do a plan of when i was 50 and that was a huge stretch. Yeah. But, but I achieved the 50 when I was 40. I beat it by 10 years. So I think that's important that yeah, we get that that help and that clarity that, that you need there that you've just talked about. So uh, is there anything that you would say is a, a way that people can perhaps define their, I, I love the phrase you've given me there, their, their hell yes or hell yeah lifestyle. Um, that was my British coming out of there saying hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, is is there something that you find is is a common thing that helps people, or something that you found really useful that you can share with the listeners today? Yeah, um, one of the things that helps them get there is uh, you know sort of really having them tap into what do they want for the the next generation actually. So what, mm. what do they want to be able to provide um, to set their children up for success? Um, so, or, you know, or nieces, nephews or whatever it is, if, yeah. you know, if they don't have children of their own, but almost taking it outside of themselves and really thinking through, okay, well, what, what do I need to be building and have in place um, yeah. to provide for my children while also having a really fun life for myself? And I, I find that fascinating that sometimes it's easier to, you know, <laughs> think about others than, than think about ourselves. Um, uh, I think also, especially in a culture like New Zealand, where, uh, you know, um, 
sort of the tall poppy syndrome, like people have a sort of a cultural expectation of not, you know, not becoming too big, not yep. to, you know, stick out from the crowd, um, to be mm, more laid back. So, so that is, yeah. So just having them think through yeah. their children versus themselves yeah. sometimes gets them through that barrier. Yeah. So you're almost taking your clients from the the base level of the business hierarchy of needs and to the legacy side of it you know what is the legacy that you want to leave you know what yes. kind of effect are you going to have on that so uh, yeah that's a good that's yes. a good way of positioning it i like that i think that's great yeah uh, yeah and i know from you know we don't have any any children unfortunately and we've got lots of animals but i think we all can still find something that we want to leave or something that we want to provide you know it's uh, tony robbins talks about the six human needs isn't it? and contribution is one of them so for me mm-hmm. it's how i contribute to other people that is that legacy and that's what i'm building the business that's why i do what i do now so yeah uh, yeah, yeah. So that's great so how was it for you before you started looking at your own lifestyle congruence saying you've talked a little bit about the the realization that it was smaller than you thought, but just give us a bit of an idea of how it felt. You know, what what kind of um, environment was it creating for you before you did that fix? Yeah, um, so I was uh, traveling all around the world. I was like living on on airplanes. Um, obviously, you know, I would like to be doing a little bit of that now, but yeah, you and me both. Possible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gone from one extreme to the other. Um, so, yeah, no, just traveling all around the world, um, you know, just growing the business, uh, trying to just wear every single hat. Um, yeah. And uh, and it was just, it was very, very stressful. And so when I would come back to New Zealand for, you know, the holidays to visit my family, I was still just every day, you know, having to get up earlier than everybody else to just, keep the business running, keep working, yeah. keep working and so forth. It was really stressful. And then to be coming away with so little money from it as well yeah. in terms of drawings, it just it just no longer felt like I, I just was really starting to grow a little resentful of the business. Um, yeah. And so having that, you know, making that shift to say, okay, well, how can the business serve me rather than the other way around was really important. Um, And it allowed me to, you know, just sort of connect back into who I am as a person, Um, you know, very social, very caring, very family is super important to me. So to be able to actually spend more time with all of those, you know, um, my friends, my family and so forth instead of just constantly being on a plane, trying to grow the business. It's interesting you use the word resentful there, and I wondered how many people, as they heard that, suddenly the penny dropped, that they may describe their feelings towards their business as frustrated. They may describe their business as even having a bad job. But actually, I think for many listening to this, the penny might have dropped that they do have a resentment. And I think you're, you're right there. And if we do have a resentment to our business, then actually, as I've seen with my old business partner many, many years ago, he used to get resentful of it. And then he used to sabotage it. And he used to 
either subconsciously sabotage it or consciously sometimes sabotage his business because he was resentful of the impact it was having on his life. And yeah, that's even for me, that's just connected that dots with, with Dean and how he was in his business as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the day that I found profit first, um, so I was at a trade show in Hong Kong, um, which was, you know, the, the big trade show for the beauty business. Yeah. And um, so I was going around and like uh, there's so many exciting developments and new ingredients and new technologies and so forth. And I was listening, you know, I was just sort of had podcasts going on my ears as I was walking around. And I was just really um, sad, actually, because I thought there I've got all of these ideas that I want to do, but I have I just don't have the money to be able to be investing anymore. I just I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. And so then when I um, heard something about Profit First on a podcast, I immediately went and bought the, you know, the Profit First book on Audible and started, yeah. spent the rest of the trade show listening to that and the light bulb came on and I cried. I went back to my hotel room one night and I just huh. burst into tears yeah. um, because it seemed so simple and intuitive and why didn't I, you know, why didn't I figure this out on my own? And yeah. why didn't I find this sooner? And, you know, I'm really good with numbers. I, yeah. I, um, I, you know, was an accounting teacher's assistant. Like, I yeah. really know my numbers. Yeah. And, yet yeah, I still got into that situation. It, it's, it's counterintuitive, though, isn't it, to what um, the industry uh, worldwide teaches us. You know, it teaches us to have our business, to pay everybody and what's left is ours Uh, and that's the way globally business economics and accounting work and yeah I certainly know yeah as we were talking about before you know I've managed to change a client of mine who's an accountant he's now become a profit first professional and he said I can't believe all the studying that I've done all the work that I've done as an accountant has just completely turned on its head and whilst he's become very passionate about it, uh, it yeah, it's it's still a battle that I'm sure he has internally because he's fighting that 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 way that he's been brought up to to do business. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, well, good on you for uh, embracing that. And uh, Chris Murphy is uh, another business owner that I interviewed some time ago and uh, Jennifer if you want to check out he's got a great testimonial of profit first in the podcast and he ran a chiropractic uh, business and mm-hmm. you know here in the UK he said it changed his life changed saved his life I think was a way he he gave credit to Mike and the book for doing that so, right uh, so that's great so if you could give the listeners uh, a tip, something that they can take away and perhaps do something with or use in their business. Um, what tip or lesson do you want to share with the listeners, Dan? Then uh, I'm going to ask you just to share a little bit more about your programs and how people can find out more about you. But what what's the lesson or tip you want to share with the listeners first? Um, I would say uh, just, you know, really listen to yourself, like figure out what you want um, and then create the business based on what you actually want. And when I say what you want, I mean for life. Um, yeah. What do you want your life to look like? Because 
you know, the idea of growing into profitability, um, which is what society tells us is the way that you, you know, you're going to get rich, yeah. <laughs> is yeah. to just keep growing, is it, it doesn't always work. Um, it, in fact, it really works. And, mm. and if you're a business owner out there and you're feeling like you're not paying yourself what you're truly worth, um, just also know that you're not alone. Uh, you know, there's a statistic out of the, the United States from the Small Business Administration that 83% of small business owners could actually earn more going and doing that same job for somebody else than yep. actually doing it in their own business. So first of all, just don't be ashamed. Like getting real with your numbers uh, around your business and your personal life is messy. And there's a lot of shame that people have around it. Um, and so just put that aside first and then just, uh, you know, dig in and really start looking at the, the cash numbers, not the accounting numbers, but the cash yeah. numbers to figure out, uh, are you paying yourself what you're worth? And if not, then, you know, then start digging in to see how to fix it. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you a, uh, a slightly awkward question then uh, and it's awkward in a way but um, be interested to see how you answer it how do people determine what they're worth because you know that's an age old question that I think a lot of people listening to this will uh, struggle with you know I met a prospect many many years ago when I first became a coach and he said I don't pay anybody more than 25 pounds an hour and therefore I never expect to charge any more than 25 pounds an hour and I was like oh. really gosh and he's got this very clinical way in which he valued his time and everybody else's time but it was complete farce because as soon as he took his his van, his truck into a service centre, he was paying much more than £25 an hour. He just didn't realise, you know, it was, he got this misconception in his head and it was just his way of coping with it. So how would you suggest that the listeners in that listening to themselves and, you know, looking at that lifestyle, how can they perhaps determine what they're worth? Any tips on that? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, so I would say, because we all have money stories that mm. are embedded in us from, you know, multi-generational money stories. Yep. So I, one thing I would always suggest is, as you're doing this work, um, you know, just take yourself out of your normal environment and set aside time. Good point. You know, yep. get to a happy place, um, get your coffee if that's what you want, or a glass of wine. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, really start thinking through just one tip you might want to do is just really, really quickly set a timer for 10 minutes and just start writing down as many uh, stories that you've heard about money from your parents, your right. grandparents, other yeah. people in your family. Just like, just write those out stream of consciousness. Fantastic um, exercise. Yeah. And sort of take some of those, then start looking at, okay, these limiting beliefs. Yep. And therefore, how can I turn these limiting beliefs around into, uh, you know, flip them around into more sort of positive affirmations? Yeah. So, uh, so that that would be one tip I would say yeah. because as you do that writing exercise, that stream of consciousness, it'll be interesting to see what bubbles up. And quite often, these are just stories that we've been told over the years. 
yeah. and they may not be our stories. And so yeah. that's a way of starting to deconstruct yeah. some of that. Yeah, I love that. So I think you've given us lots to to think about, lots to take a, away. I've, I've got a little note to hear of trying to get titles for the podcast, and you've given me so many things to write down, um, the, the hell yeah lifestyle. Um, but also I think you've... You've, I think you've just there shared perhaps what this is all about, what we've been talking about is, you know, what is your money story? You know, what, what mm-hmm. story are you telling yourself about money? And, you know, as we've talked about, even my story about, you know, profit, people chasing turnover. I think there's lots of things that the listeners can take away, which are different stories that they're telling themselves, different stories that they've been influenced with on their lives. And I think you've hit, the the nail on the head there with what you know what is your money story i think that's really really important and listening to what you're telling yourself and what what that backstory is as well i think that's that's critical that people take away from this podcast so thank you yeah yeah i just finished working with a really wonderful woman who um she has no problem in her business attracting money Mm -hmm. uh so her revenues are just like oh my gosh just fantastic but she cannot keep money. She is a spender. And yeah. so we did dig into, well, where did that come from? And so um, so now we're working on yeah. actually keeping some of that money for herself. Yeah. 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 Well, you yeah. can probably guess by the mention of the flash cars and the helicopters earlier on, I'm also a bit of a spender. So I've, I've earned an awful lot of money and I've spent a lot more than I've earned on many occasions. So I can definitely <laughs> sympathise with that. Um, so I think... What I'd like to do is sort of put the listeners in connection with you and try and tell the listeners how they can best reach out to you, find out more about you, your content, how they can learn about your program. So where's the best place for the listeners to connect with you? Um, So on Instagram, it's at the underscore beauty underscore of underscore profit underscore first so it's very long with lots of underscores but at the beauty of profit first um and then the website is the beauty of profit first.com and uh and i work with some people both on a one-on-one basis but also in a um a small group process so that's where uh you know it's always limited to just 10 people in the group programs because okay. we do really get into it and get messy so yeah, yeah. Uh, so those yeah. are the two ways to find me a- and i also work with um people all over the world so yeah. so time difference you know you don't have to be a new zealander to work with me oh, yeah perfect and, and it's, you're interesting because you're the first person in all of the podcasts, and I think you're probably going to be episode 40-something now. You're the first person that started with a connection on Instagram because most people go LinkedIn or Facebook. Uh, so leading with Instagram is great. And after hearing your story, now I understand the beauty of Profit First as well. So I understand where the beauty fits with the Profit First. So that's great. Uh, yeah. Final question then. Um, thinking about your next coffee and as we record this many of us are in different versions of lockdown and pandemic and I hope in years to come as people listen to this podcast they'll say pan what what was all that about that'd be nice wouldn't it um wouldn't it but thinking about when that coffee is going to be what would be a dream location to have your next coffee in tell the listeners what that dream location would be oh for me that's such an easy one it's in Vietnam um, ah. 
Yeah, I love Vietnamese coffee and mm. I just love everything about the country and the people and um, and we're hoping that, you know, at some point New Zealand's going to have a travel bubble with yeah. Vietnam because, uh, you know, as you know, we've done an okay job yeah. of keeping it yeah. out, but it's yeah, really much, weird. Much better than us. Yes, yes. So it's really weird. Like we have a normal life, but we just can't go anywhere. We can't leave the country basically, yeah. or we can, but then we can't come back. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, any so particular, having any, a travel any particular place, would it be a city? Is there a particular resort in Vietnam? What, give us a little bit more of the location in Vietnam where that would be. Yes. Um, so I love the, uh, there's a little French hill town called Dalat. And um, okay. so it's a hill town. So all of the, you know, when the, it was a French colony, um, yeah. the French would go up there in the hotter months to get away from the heat. And so the architecture up there is just really, really fascinating. Wow. And, um, and it's not very touristy and the people are just lovely and it's just, you can just spend just days there exploring the countryside and watching the world go by. So, well, yeah, and I'm sure we're more than happy for the uh, Vietnamese um, Tourist Information Bureau to uh, sponsor this podcast as well, because you're doing a great job there of um, putting a picture <laughs> in our minds of what that looks like. And uh, I'm, I'm sure lots of listeners will be inspired to to check that out and find out more about it. So uh, that's great that you shared that dream location. Thank you very much. Listeners, you've taken so much away and yeah, Jennifer's given her time here to share these great insights and tips with us. So thank you very much, Jennifer. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on this podcast. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really fun. And listeners, of course, this is part of my mission, which is to help businesses and consultants and coaches from around the globe become more aware, which is great that Jennifer's touched on that about listening to yourself uh, and be better educated and you've taken some great educational tips away from this podcast and of course we've talked about coffee too and even got a beautiful picture of a dream location of sipping coffee in the Vietnamese um, sort of French town there uh, so thank you very much for joining me and I look forward to having you on the next podcast bye for now <laughs>